I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're talking about how John and I compromise when it comes to making our house a home. You know, what if you want something that I hate or vice versa? And we'll talk about how John got sneak attacked while mowing the lawn. Well, hey, Sherry. Hello, husband. I I think you should get into what's new. So our neighbor got a pool. And it's really exciting because it's not like we live in California where these in-ground pools abound. There's hardly anyone who has a pool and nobody were close enough to like text or get a text from them saying, come on over and to actually like go over. But she's a good friend of ours and she had a little neighborhood party and we all went over there. And since then, she's been like, come over, it's hot. And we've been like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it is too hot to be polite and say, no, no, we won't come. We're like, yes, and we'll be there in a second. We order her a pizza for dinner or we do something in return for her family so that um, our kids can enjoy it and we can enjoy it. And it's lots of fun. And I think it is reminding me how I keep telling John one day I would like to have a pool. How you have pined for a pool yourself. I really have. And um, it's fulfilling some of that because I'm like, well, if they're maintaining it and taking care of it, we can just feed them with pizza in return. (laughs) But Sherry, don't you realize that our level of fancy is just knowing people with the pool. Right. (laughs) Having a pool ourselves. That's true. That is our level. That's our cap. I agree. Well, sometimes I just want a hot tub because, you know, I love like hot temperatures, but I don't, I don't know if we'd actually use a hot tub if we got one. Yeah. I would use it. Yeah. You've also been asking <laughs> to put in a hot tub room, but it's yeah. a room in our house that is just a hot tub and a television. It sounds like a hot tub time machine, but it's hot tub television. It's my dream room, guys. When you think about the things you like to do, my favorite thing to do is like my temperature is hot car. Like I like things really hot or hot tub is kind of hot car. It's the same thing. And um, I like watching TV. So I'm like, wouldn't my life be awesome if I was sitting in my hot tub unwinding with a big screen TV? So someday in my dreams, probably not in reality, I will have a hot tub with a TV. And sometimes I think it'd be a cute couple's idea if there were two hot tubs and one TV so we could watch the same program, but you could control your temperature. <laughs> that sounds like the commercial with the two bathtubs next to each other. <laughs> kind of. Because I feel like you wouldn't want it as hot. Yeah, but I would like you near me so I could talk to you about whatever show or watch. My favorite temperature is room temperature car. Yeah, you'd be in like a lukewarm hot tub and that would be very sad and I would feel bad for you. But anyways, I feel like we strayed very off topic of our neighbors getting a pool. Okay, yeah. So back to the pool. It also spurred us to look at materials in a different way because I think we both prefer a wood deck to a poured concrete patio. We just have always thought like pavers are warmer or wood is warmer and stamped or poured concrete seems colder. But they have poured this huge patio with a table and lounge chairs around the pool. And it's a stamped concrete patio. And we realized like immediately how it's like zero maintenance. And all of our neighbors, including us, are dealing with like the deck is falling apart and we're going to have to redo it soon and it's not inexpensive. And so I finally see the value of like, hey, if a poured concrete patio that big is around $10,000, but rebuilding a deck is $10,000, but then I have to seal and stain the deck and maintain the deck and maybe in 10 more years or 20 more years replace the deck, suddenly the value of poured concrete is being clear to me. And I think pavers would do the same thing, except you'd probably have to weed them and stuff to maintain them. Well, we just got a shed. So that's about as far as we're going in our backyard right now. Okay, that's true. (laughs) Well, my what's new this week involves the lawnmower again. I know I've already told a lawnmower (laughs) story, but this one has a twist. So I was out mowing the lawn the other day and I was listening to podcasts on my on my headphones. So I was like kind of half paying attention to what I was doing. And suddenly I was like, something's touching me. (laughs) Something that's hurting. (laughs) And I look down and I'm being swarmed by yellow jackets. (laughs) 
So from my perspective, John runs in the house cursing and he's running to the fridge, which is confusing to me because I'm like, I wanted to is ice he so it. thirsty? Like what's going on right now that he needs the fridge no, so bad? There were literally so many and I, I ended up only getting stung, I think three times. But when I walked, well, not walked, when I like hopped and danced my way out of there <laughs> to get out as fast as I could, just kind of like shoved the lawnmower and ran. Guys, picture Benny Hill music playing. That's what this is yeah. like. <laughs> Um, there were still two stuck in me. Like I had to like knock them out of yeah, I had to knock them off of my skin. So they got me in my legs. And I'm not allergic to bees, thank goodness, but I do swell. I have a more severe reaction than Sherry does to them. It's just uncomfortable. Right. So I was like um, a wounded dog. Right. Well, he's holding ice and that's when I finally put it together. And I'm like, did you get stung? And then I looked out the front window and the lawnmower is sitting in place. You know, it didn't keep running like in a cartoon. It stopped. But there are hundreds of yellow jackets. Like, it's almost like a tornado of yellow jackets around the lawnmower and you can't even see it. And I'm like, what do we do? So what did we do? I sent you out there. No, I was like, well, you have a worse (laughs) reaction to them. And also our kids were around and I was trying to set a good example of like, I can do this, guys. I'm going to come in and be brave. And when you put your mind to something, you can do it. And so I marched to the coat closet and I put on my winter coat, my winter gloves, my winter hat, and I pulled it all the way down. So like only a triangle, like my nose and mouth were basically exposed. Winter scarf to cover my neck. I had jeans on because, you know, I wear jeans even in the summer because back to hot car temperature and um, socks and boots, like big snow boots. And I walked outside like, you know, when you stuff a kid in a snowsuit and their arms go out because they're so stuffed. And mind you, it's like 90 degrees outside. I walk outside like with my arms out because I'm so stuffed into all this gear. And I think it's kind of funny. And I feel completely like, what's that word? Protected? mm, What kids think? Invincible? Yes. I felt completely invincible and I marched up and the kids are watching me in the window and I'm like, I'm a hero. Look at me. I can do anything. And I walk up to the mower and I move the mower and the swarm calms down because what we realized had happened is the mower was on top of their hole. This was a nest in the grass. Yeah, this is what I later learned is that yellow jackets will often occupy old like mole tunnels and we had had a mole last summer. And so that's I guess they camped out in there and I didn't discover it till I rolled my mower over it that day. And so I moved the mower out of the way and they got back in their hole and kind of calmed down. And then I'm like thinking it's funny. Like I'm totally protected. They most of them have calmed down. There's still a few flying around, but I'm like fully covered. You got cocky. I didn't get cocky. And John's like, well, what if you spray them with the hose? And I'm like, I don't think that does anything because rain doesn't hurt them. But maybe the pressure of the hose will scare them. So I feel I like, like that was mean of me. I was like, honey, why don't you go anger them? Right. Like, like make them pissed off, Sherry. So I'm spraying the hose around them to like get them to calm down. And they just sort of were fine. And then I feel something right exactly where you'd have a nose ring. And I'm being stung in like the one inch of skin that's exposed, which is my nose and mouth. And it's like, It looks like a nose ring hole. So I run in the house, but I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. I didn't swell. Nothing really happened. I put some ice on it. And so we did some research and what did we Yeah, so, well, I did what any red-blooded American would do and I complained about it on Facebook. (laughs) And one of my friends had dealt with the same issue. And because, you know, there's all these things about like, you should pour gasoline down the hole, but, or like all these chemicals, but it uh, sounded like a a bad plan. I mean, our, our yard has enough trouble staying alive. So my friend said, you know, don't do anything like that. Just get like a glass Pyrex bowl and put it over the hole and it will trap the ones in there and then the other ones can't get back in and eventually the other yellow jackets will abandon that nest and the ones in there will die. Yeah, we have one big bowl because we did notice there's like sort of two entry points. Yeah, but we were able to contain them and just that and we have left that bowl on our yard. What happened when you messed with it? Oh yeah, so I thought they were all done and I I moved it and I got stung again in my (laughs) arm. (laughs) And, and I, I was swelled like, up again. 
It didn't even look like John's arm. I'm like a Professor Clump. (laughs) I was like, John, let's stop playing with the bees, okay, honey? Every time you go out there, you get stung. And now we haven't touched the bowl, but they seem fine, and we're able to mow around it, and it's been, I'd say, two weeks. So I think we can take the bowl off. I probably should do it. You will do it. I'll do it. You will be in your snowsuit. So I think the um, like the happy ending is that we don't seem to have a yellow jacket problem anymore. They don't seem to be in other parts of the yard. We've since mowed twice. And I think the final step will be I will remove the bowl. Right. We will make sure it's all good. But I'm hopeful that we've solved the situation. Well, I'm having enough flashbacks to my bee sting. So can we move <laughs> on to something happier, please? <laughs> okay. What do you want to do? I've got some what's not for you. So this is the part of the show that you guys probably know by now is where I give Sherry a category of things. All of them are real, but one is fake and made up by me. So your job is just to tell me what's real and what's not. So this category, this actually is inspired by a list I found from Good Housekeeping. Okay. Called 10 Pet Peeves That Drive Pro Organizers Crazy. Oh, cool. I love organizing stuff. Okay. They interviewed professional organizers to get their tips about things that drive them nuts and keep things from being organized. So I have five things to tell you. Only four of them were from their list of pet peeves that drive pro organizers crazy. Okay. One, owning unnecessary duplicates. I would say that's one. Two, not making your bed. Mm, some people argue that an unmade bed for some reason is healthier. I'm not sure about that one. Three, relying on baskets and bins. Oh, that drives them crazy? I mean, I could see how one person would be like, because a file folder is better. Four, cramming too much stuff into a container. These all sound annoying to organizers. And last one, keeping things because they cost money. Oh, yeah. Well, I could see how they'd be annoyed by that. Like, just because you spend money on something you don't use doesn't mean you should keep it because then you're losing the money and you're losing the space to store the thing that you spent the money on. All right. Let's see. I feel like it's not making your bed. I'm very up in the air. What was the third one? Relying on baskets and bins. I mean, I could see how they could say there are many more systems than just those and those are limiting to just rely on those. So maybe that one's true. I'm going to say not making your bed. You are not right. (laughs) The fake one was Owning unnecessary duplicates. Oh, really? That was a really good fake well, one. I mean, that would be a pet peeve if I were a professional organizer. Right. That is a really good one. I feel like that's almost one of the better tips because a lot of people have like four things that do the same thing. I mean, that's a thing we do around right. our house Right. I think, a lot. yeah, we relate to it because it's a problem we have with organizing. Like, why do we have four of this object yeah. that all, like, one is a juicer, but one is like a pureeer that goes in a glass and one is a blender and like, let's just pick the thing that does all the things. Yeah. Like, if you open your drawer and you have three can openers and you're always grabbing one of them, get rid of the other two. You don't need to hang on to them just because you spent Professional money on organizer, them. John, you have some great yeah. tips. So the real one's not making your bed. Yes. Cramming too much stuff into a container. They said any time that you're pushing something beyond its capacity, like their example was too many pens in a cup. Oh, (laughs) then when you try to take one pen out, they all fall out. And it's like a TV commercial that's like, do you have problems getting pens out of cups? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But they said it's just a sign that you have too many things you should cut down. Um, Obviously, keeping things because they cost money, that's not a reason to keep things. But let me go back to that relying on bins and baskets one for a moment, because I thought that was interesting. The way they actually stated it was using false aesthetics. Okay. And they use bins and baskets as the example because they said a lot of people, when it's like, oh, I'm going to go get organized, they go 
buy lots of containers and they'll like fill a shelf with pretty baskets or something. But if you are cramming too much stuff in those baskets or if you're not actually using them, then they're not actually organized. So they said people kind of like fall on those as a crutch. It's like a fake organization system that looks organized but isn't really because you didn't take the time to go through and like put things together in the right way and get rid of duplicates and do all the other things you should do first before you get to the pretty containers. Yeah, I think they're saying pretty containers does not mean suddenly you're organized. Right. Well, I feel like the I've read a lot of places that the containers should be the last step that you should pare down and make piles and then realize how much volume you have of each thing and then buy the container that caters to that volume of what remains instead of getting the baskets first. They also, one of the other things on the list was relying on labels Mm because they said that's another instance where people think, oh, if I label things, then that means I'm organized. But if you don't actually use the labels or you don't um, label them in a way that's helpful, then they're just sort of a... um, It's a facade. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You're just lying to yourself. Uh, But I'll be sure to put a link to this article up on younghouselove.com slash podcast so that you can see all 10 things on the list. Again, this is from Good Housekeeping, 10 Pet Peeves That Drive Pro Organizers Crazy. So now we wanted to answer a listener question. Yes, I got some from Facebook. I get some on Instagram. And sometimes they even come to my email if someone can find our email address. And this one is from Jamie. And she said, My boyfriend's style is very masculine. And while I'm not living in a fairyland of perpetual rose bloom and periwinkle dust, I enjoy quite a few feminine design flares on occasion. How have you two managed to find a nice balance within your decor that complements the masculine and feminine yin and yang? Hearing how you both compromise would be a great help in my own concerns. Thank you, Jamie. We do get asked a lot, not always on feminine masculine, but it's a very common question about how we sort of like agree on decorating. So we've sort of over time built up to have this what we call full agreement agreement. And all that means is that we don't buy something or bring something into our house without the other person being gung-ho for it. I mean, sometimes one of us is more excited than the other, but we try not to do something where like, I want something off eBay, but John is like, we don't need another chair, pillow, whatever the object is that I want. Most likely a pillow. (laughs) So I listen Because I think the worst thing you can do is create a house full of items you like and items they like. Because then rooms become like, there's that chair I hate. And the last thing you want is to have these objects that one of you likes and the other one resents. Because I don't think that's creating a home that everyone feels at home. And it's sort of creating this divided room. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think it works if someone resents something being in there. I don't think every couple necessarily needs a full agreement agreement because I'm sure, you know, every household is different. Every relationship is different. And it may work better for some to be like, you know, honey, that's your office or your basement or whatever. Like, do what you want in there. I'll be hands off. And that's fine, too. But for us, like we figured out early on that we both wanted to feel like the entire house was a space that reflected both of us. Right. I've heard some people call it veto power. It's the same thing, right? It's like, I won't buy something that you don't want. If you want to veto it, you can veto it. I don't think it means we're both dancing and throwing flowers because we're so excited about an object. It just means one of us is not so opposed to said object that they don't say, I don't want it in the house. Right. And then on the topic of the masculine and feminine mixing, which I feel like I should disclaim this by saying, like, I apologize if I talk in stereotypes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think generally we're talking about in design things that are considered to be feminine elements versus traditionally masculine elements like feminine being curves and soft fabrics and frills and florals and masculine being the clean lines, the metals, dark colors, straight lines, plaids, checks. Again, those are all sort of general categories when talking about feminine and masculine. But 
I having to make some assumptions about what she means by masculine style and her feminine style. I know she's saying it's not all periwinkle dust, <laughs> which sounds lovely, I'm sure. Uh, I think you and I lucked out because our styles are similar. At least they've grown to be fairly similar. But I do think we could shed some light on anyone, even if their styles are further apart. I mean, I think one tip would be that um, we've all heard this cliche, but everything in moderation. Yeah, I think it's all about the mix and having both elements there. I don't think that a room has to be only masculine or only feminine. In fact, it probably works best when it is a mix of those types of things. I mean, Genevieve Gorder talked about this in our episode nine about mixing patterns, about how like having your stripes and your checks mixed with your florals and all that. That's how patterns work well together. I think that can be applied to just about anything in the room. You know, you want some straight lines and hard edges. And then you also want like flowy curtains and plants and yeah, maybe the pink embroidered pillow. Or just something that's soft, you know, like a curved mirror, a round mirror, a round ottoman. And I think we accidentally do this all the time that we have, you know, like a planter that's maybe prettier and more like sort of anthropology, sweet, imperfect look. And I might add flowers or a plant that's also this organic shape. It's not like rigid. But then when we look around, there's like a leather chair or, you know, a table that's wood. Even the hardware, I think, is typically, we like very masculine hardware, probably both of us. The clean lines, it's almost like like a long rectangular pole versus a big like swirly sort of feminine handle. And I also think there's certain places where we, you are more accommodating when I want something that might be on the feminine side. Like it seems like in art, if it's a picture of a sunset and there's lots of pinks, but it's a natural thing, like those colors are found in nature. John seems to be cool with it if I'm like, I love this painting or this picture because it's sort of like a natural occurrence of pink versus me finding a print of like a pink poodle and being like, I love this art. Let's put the (laughs) pink poodle in the house. (laughs) Well, I think my advice for anyone like Jamie who's trying to figure out how to mix these two styles is to look at the room that's in question and try to keep things neutral, the big things neutral, like the big items like a couch or... Right, like don't get a lace or a leather couch. (laughs) Yeah. And then build on through your pillows or your lamps or your fabric or your frames and your accessories, like build masculine and feminine things into there. I think our living room is a great example of that because we have pretty classic big pieces like our rug and our ottoman and our couch, but we've got like a big wooden console table that can feel very masculine, but we've got lots of pink pillows and we've got pink in the art and pink flowers on the mantle, but the mantle is like big white stone. Like there's these materials that play off each other. Right, and above the mantle is this like very natural mirror that's surrounded by like white, driftwood which i associate to be very you know it's like sticks <laughs> you love sticks <laughs> me <John>. like sticks <laughs> i also was just thinking i know it might be cliched to say like look at inspiration pictures together but if even in real life if you go to a hotel and you're both like this is a cool room or if you're in a restaurant and you're like i just love the atmosphere at this restaurant take that home with you notice where the curves are where the softness is where the hard lines are what type of fabrics are used bring that home with you. And the same thing could be if you have a catalog you're like obsessed with, maybe you can't even afford the stuff in it, but you get crate and barrel or you get restoration hardware and you love how that looks. Use that as a guide. And he might realize like, oh, I don't like everything that's hard and I don't want everything to be leather and pinstripe. Maybe he'll realize in looking at these rooms like, oh, I do like a soft white curtain. I do like a round ottoman or mirror. So I think these are all things that If you study pictures and you find a room that you both like, it's kind of like the jackpot and you can use it as the key, not to just buy everything in the picture, but to use it as inspiration for colors and fabrics and shapes that you could then bring home. 
And I would venture to guess that the majority of people, even if they say they prefer typically feminine or typically masculine design, don't want a room that is only feminine or only masculine. If they start to go through that process of finding inspiration images, I think most people will find that it's somewhere in the middle where it mixes those things because not... Not every guy wants to live in like corrugated steel and plaid (laughs) and, you know, all those like on their own elements feel masculine. But together, when the only things in that room are that can be kind of like overwhelming to like feel like a garage. Right. Or like slip into like 80s bachelor pad with like everything's black. The black TV table and the black leather sofa. On the flip side, probably... Yes, there are some men or women who like really feminine stuff, but if it is all frills and florals and pinks and pastels, then that that might be too overwhelming. It's not balanced out by some of the masculine elements. But you know, in the end, I think it ultimately, like Jamie says, it comes down to compromise because you're going to have to figure out these things together. And it's all about both being part of the conversation about what happens in your home and in your rooms. You're not going to hit the nail on the head on the first try to make it feel perfect for everyone, but it might be about bringing in some things then adjusting and bringing in some more things that he likes or some more things that she likes. And eventually over time, you'll get to a room that feels like both of you. Well, and if you guys have a question, we have set up a voicemail. Look at us in the 21st century. You can call us and leave a message. Yes, this is Sherry's personal phone number. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It's it's a Google phone number. So this is a voice message box where you guys can call and leave us your question so that we can play your voice here on the podcast so we can actually hear you ask your question. To leave us a message, here's the phone number. Just call us at area code 571 for YHLHAP, as in for Young House Love has a podcast. So again, that's area code 571, number four, then YHLHAP. Or if you're like me and you hate looking at the keyboard and trying to make numbers into letters, I'm going to read you the number. It's 571-494-5427. Just uh, try to keep your message somewhat brief and please start it with your name and where you're calling from. Like, this is Mike from Missoula, Montana. You know, that way we can identify you when we start playing your message on a future episode. Oh, and I have an update. You know I love an update. Oh, updates. We need, like, update music. We do need update music. Ooh, that was really intense, but I liked it. (laughs) Well, good. This is from episode four, where one of the what's not games that John played with me involved Hildy Santa Tomas, who I think could easily be described as the most controversial designer on Trading Spaces. She did those crazy things like put hay into plaster on the walls. And she, there was one episode I remember very clearly where she stapled silk flowers to the wall in a bathroom, and we were talking about it on episode four. And not long after, I got a message from someone named Sophie M. Wolf on Instagram. And it was a funny update because it turns out she has a friend who bought the house that had the flowers all over the walls. Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) So she said, I just caught up on podcast episodes and I had to laugh with your game about rooms that Hildy designed. A friend of mine bought the house where she glued flowers all over the walls and it ruined everything. Everything is in caps lock with an exclamation point. Wait, so the flowers weren't still there? She said they had to rip it all to the studs and start over. Definitely a huge mess in the end. And then cleverly, she used a lot of flower emojis. That is clever. (laughs) Points for that. So I'm not sure if when she bought the house, the flowers were still there or if, you know, someone had put like wallpaper over the flower mess and then when they were redoing the bathroom, they discovered it. But I think it's a funny update because I do watch those shows and I wonder what happens down the line when someone else takes over that house and maybe doesn't have the same preferences as the person living there. Yeah, if you're not the person who loves thousands of flowers on your bathroom wall. Right, exactly. 
So I thought that was a fun update. So if you guys ever hear us talking about something and you know someone or a story that sort of takes that conversation further, we would love to hear from you. You can just talk to us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or you can send it by Carrier Pigeon. Well, I think we've come to that time in the episode for We're Digging. Ooh, what are you digging, John? So I'm digging duvet clips. <laughs> I know. I knew you were going to laugh. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. You're a man of convenience. And you yeah. also are a man who gets very fussy when the duvet insert slips down. And your top of your body only has a sheet, but the bottom has the whole duvet bunched yeah. up. So this is something that we discovered years ago that are these little um, clips. They're almost like binder clips. To me, they look like those metal chip clips. Yeah, or like a chip clip, but they're they're covered in like a soft foam so that when they're actually in use, they don't poke you. And what you do is you use them in the four corners of your duvet to clip them to the inside corners of the cover. And so what it means is then your cover and your duvet stay together and you don't have that annoying thing where it's like all sagged down to the bottom of the cover. So we have those in our bedroom. And they We've had the same set probably for like eight years. I think we might have even mentioned them on the blog like literally eight years ago, but yeah. probably 0.01% of you have read that post. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's before anyone knew there was a blog. But yeah, we've had the same set. We've not lost any. I know. That's kind of amazing. But you and I realize like dummies, we don't have them for our other rooms. Right. So now we need to get them for our guest room because we've had a guest room for so long. Well, that's we what made been... me think of this because I was just washing it and I was putting it back together. And I was like, what? where did the clips go? And I was like, oh. There never were any. So I'm actually going to order a set tonight so that we can solve this problem in our guest room. Um, there's a set on Amazon. It's 12 bucks for four of them. They're exact. The ones I'm looking at the picture, they look exactly like the ones we've had for so long that we use in our bedroom. I don't know if I'd trust all different types. These, The kinds we get, they're like covered in a white foam. Yeah, they're padded. We'll put the link on the show notes. So that's what I'm digging. And I will dig them even more once they have arrived and I can wrestle them onto our duvet in the guest room. Now I just feel like we jinxed ourselves, and now we're going to lose one in the wash or something because it's amazing that in eight years, these tiny clips, all four of them still... Maybe we should order two sets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what are you digging, Sherry? I'm digging something that might sound a little woo-woo to some people. It's not I... more coconut oil, is it? It's not coconut oil. It's a gratitude journal, which sounds like you need a specific journal. It's not. It's, it's like a term I learned from Oprah like literally 10 years ago. Um, when I started dating John, I had just heard about it. So around 10 years ago. You had so much to be grateful for then. I really did. Um, it just means keeping a notebook. So it's not a specific type of journal or anything. And writing down, you know, a few things you're grateful for. And the reason it had piqued my interest is there was some study or something done that when you write down what you're grateful for, something like 20 days after writing it down, if you do it for 20 days in a row, it changes the way your brain works and you think of things you're grateful for more there's got to be some truth to it because the things that you think about in your mind are at the front of your mind. And so when you keep thinking about things you're grateful for every night, 20 days in a row, it's easy to see the bright side. And so um, the the reason I love them is less woo-woo. I, I started it because I thought this will make me a more grateful person and I think that's a nice way to approach life. But the reason I keep doing it is, is it's really fun to look back at old things you're grateful for. Like my best friend like seven years ago or so was pregnant and I have this line in one of the notebooks that was like, I'm grateful she fainted onto a pole <laughs> because she was pregnant and passed out in the subway, but she leaned on a pole and it could have been so bad. She could have fainted onto the tracks or fainted onto the ground and hit her belly, but she like softly swooned into a pole. But they're very funny because the whole point is not to write 
a novel. I could never keep it up for so this. So supposed to be like little things. Little like. things. I could never keep it up for this long if it was a novel. But there are so many moments in my life. I mean, I think there literally are some that are like, I'm grateful a hundred people visited our blog today. You know, like they're a funny marker of your life and how it changes. There's ones that I'm grateful when I found out I was pregnant with our children. There's ones that I'm grateful when I we found our homes and our offers were accepted. So it's, it's cool because it has all the big things, but it also has little things that are hilarious. Like, I'm grateful that uh, Nip Tuck is such a great show. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be alive. Exactly. And they're like a moment in time where later you're like, did I really write that? Or like, I'm really thankful the Lady Gaga album is so awesome. <laughs> they're very funny to look back on. So I think anyone who likes a way to chart their life in a non-high-maintenance way, this takes five minutes. I take my vitamins in bed. I That was a habit I started because when I was pregnant, I couldn't take them in the morning because they made me sick, so I took them before I went to sleep. So I'm still on that. I take my Condex out, I take my vitamins, and I write in my journal, and it takes me two minutes, and I close it, and it's just cool to keep it going and see, you know, all the things you're grateful for year after year. How much am I in there? You're in there a lot. Oh, good. Well, sometimes I'm superstitious. I'm grateful for his eyes. I'm grateful for his <laughs> smile. I like his rugged good looks. Sometimes I'm superstitious, so I'm like, I'm grateful for John, and I'm grateful for our kids, and I'm grateful for Burger, and I just keep going. <laughs> but then they're not like unique, specific things about the day. They're like me covering all the bases of general things I'm grateful for. <laughs> Make sure you don't offend anyone by leaving them out. Exactly. But I know, looking back, the funniest ones are like about a song I like or about some random happening. So I try to include that stuff. And actually, I have one journal that's the prettiest thing ever, and I I've been meaning to try and find it. So if I find it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, it was sold by Anthropology a long time ago. I don't think they sell it anymore. It's lovely. It has like a leather embossed cover and a ribbon, so you can keep your place when you close the page. And it's the little things, guys. So if I find it, I'll put a link. And a little to it. lock and key, so no one can read your secrets. <laughs> exactly. No, it does not have a lock. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. You guys are the peanut butter to our jelly. And a big shout out to everyone who's already subscribed, reviewed, or rated us in iTunes. And to anyone who's recommended us to a friend too. They're all a huge help in keeping this thing going. We're also really loving everyone who's tagging us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to show us what you guys are doing while you're listening to our podcast. So far, we've seen everything from painting, tiling, even embroidery. Fancy. I know. And we know you guys do weirder things. So this is the challenge. Tag me with your weirdest thing at Young House Love. And be sure to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info that we mentioned in this episode. Like a picture of that bee bowl contraption thing in our yard. 